This is a Federal News Network podcast. Last year, Kilauea, one of the most active volcanoes on Hawaii, erupted for more than 100 days. It wiped out more than 700 homes and displaced thousands of people. Right on the ground, though, was a U.S. Geological Survey team led by Hawaiian Volcano Observatory scientist in charge, Christina Neal. She tells Federal News Network's Eric White about the experience that earned her and her team a nomination in this year's Service to America Awards in the Science and Environmental category. First of all, you have to understand that Kilauea Volcano had been erupting almost nonstop for 35 years leading up to last year's event. And so HVO staff have been essentially on eruption response mode for, for decades However, in the early part of 2018, the volcano was showing some signs of, of a change coming, and we saw evidence that the volcano was pressurizing the level of, of magma in, in both of its erupting vents at the summit and on the rift zone was rising, and we issued a public statement in April saying it, it looked like potentially a new breakout was coming, although at the time, of course, we couldn't say with exact certainty where this would happen. Um, but on April 30th, when things really started to happen, the first observation was of a big change out at the Pu'uo'o vent on the rift zone that had been active for many years. And our very first response was to alert the authorities, civil defense, that a change was underway. Based on our geophysical monitoring, we were able to see the migration of earthquake activity to the east of the Pu'uo'o vent uh, towards populated areas in the lower uh, east rift zone in the Puna district of the Big Island. This this activity represented magma moving underground with the potential for an outbreak. And so we kept civil defense, in particular, informed of these changes as they happened so that they could begin to prepare for potential evacuations in, in the area at risk. And so you said that the volcano has been erupting constantly uh, for all those years and you didn't have an exact timeline on when the shift was going to occur. I imagine that made it a little difficult, uh, as it is usually with these uh, volcano eruptions, for uh, members of the public and even sometimes local leaders to say, uh, you know, oh, this is a big deal. You know, they they don't, you know, they kind of maybe brushed it off a little bit. Did you run into any of that? Well, you're correct. Unfortunately, we don't understand volcanoes well enough uh, to be absolutely precise. I mean, there is always uncertainty in, in our forecasts or in our description of possible scenarios. However, I I think folks understood the basic gist of our message in April that that a change was coming. And as soon as we saw evidence of magma migrating underground towards populated areas, uh, I know the authorities took it very seriously. And frankly, soon after that uh, event began, the folks in the residential area around the eventual eruption site started feeling earthquakes and within a couple of days started seeing ground cracks so the, vol- the volcano was doing a good job of reinforcing our message that uh, people needed to be prepared for evacuation. This sounds like an all-hands-on-deck situation. You were running a pretty large team here, even some extra help from uh, outside USGS observatories. Uh, what was it like running that large of a team? And I imagine that most SAMI, SAMI uh, award recipients like to give most of their credit to the team. And so I, you sound as if that was the direction you're heading as well. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I feel as if I was was the coach or the team captain of of the championship uh, performing team. We have an, in HVO itself uh, almost 30 full time folks who are all professionals and just stepped up and did exactly everything that needed to be done. Uh, really, my job as manager and leader was to try to just make sure we weren't 
missing anything critical and to keep people uh, coordinated and try to get people to take a break. But uh, the, the professionalism and dedication of the entire HVO team was just awe-inspiring. And then, as you say, we did bring in a lot of help from our sister observatories on the mainland, and, and those folks were phenomenal. Uh, plugged right into a very dynamic situation seamlessly and brought their expertise and, and augmented what we could do here. And then I also must shout out to the expanded team, including our partners at the University of Hawaii and other academic institutions who, who sent folks to help out as well. So it was an enormous team effort, people on the mainland, people from a distance helping out. I mean, one of the things that happens during volcanic eruptions now is that there's this tremendous flood of geophysical and other data coming in digitally. Anybody on a computer with access can look at the data. So we took advantage of the time zones and people on the mainland to help us monitor the data 24-7 because we had limited people here and folks had to sleep. Um, so it was this tremendous uh, team effort across many, many time zones, many regions, many institutions, and, and, and I'm so impressed and grateful. We're speaking with Christina Neal. She's the lead scientist at the Hawaiian Volcano Observatory with the U.S. Geological Survey. What else did you implement in the coming days after that? All that data coming in, I imagine that you used new ideas to analyze all that data, but also just observing the activity of the volcano itself. Well, thank you for that question. You're, you're right. You're spot on. Um, probably one of the big watershed moments of this event was the application and the use of unmanned aerial vehicles or drones in the eruption response. Uh, to my knowledge, this is the first time in the United States that we have used UAS uh, in an eruption response, and it was a significant tool. Uh, we used them almost from the very beginning to fly into areas that were unsafe for helicopters or human beings to collect uh, video, to collect um, gas measurements. And this program basically went on throughout the eruption and for much of it 24-7 and was a, a tremendous tool to, to augment our situational awareness and reporting capabilities. For a time, with the assistance of NASA, we were actually beaming footage from the drones right into the Emergency Operations Center. And I think that, that went a long way towards helping the authorities sort of understand in real time what was going on to, uh, 30 miles away from, from headquarters. So drones were a big deal, and, and that we're, there's no going back. I think from here on out, we'll be using these more often as our sort of standard tool for certain work. Uh, but beyond that, we certainly had saw an unprecedented, in my experience, application of, of near real-time satellite data to track things um, in many ways, tracking lava flow advancement, tracking the deformation of the volcano. The other part of the eruption crisis last summer that people tend to forget is that in addition to this flood of lava that eventually destroyed more than 700 homes, at the top of the volcano, the summit was falling in and collapsing. And so the changing topography and landscape at the summit uh, was tracked by satellite radar and LIDAR and UAV photogrammetry and creating these almost instantaneous um, real-time maps of landscape change, which were a very powerful tool. So that was another uh, aspect that was kind of new, and uh, all of this, of course, posed a great challenge of ingesting the data, analyzing it quickly, and then giving the right interpretations to authorities to make the right decisions. This isn't a yearly occurrence. Uh, how do you maintain sort of keeping a calm, level head, even though that this isn't something that you all deal with on a all-the-time basis? Well, I, I think it's important to remember, again, that HVO has basically been in eruption response mode since the early 1980s, so there is sort of built into our culture here 
an understanding of what we need to do. This clearly amped up the stakes enormously because of the location of the eruption and the potential impact and, and true threat to life and property. Uh, I, I credit people's long experience and um, people's uh, understanding of the roles and responsibilities of both the USGS and HVO, but I also credit our, our larger USGS Volcano Science Center experience bench with, with eruption responses all over the world. Um, I come from 30, 25 years in the Alaska Volcano Observatory where I went through dozens of eruptions. So um, there's just an experience level there. And the people that came in to assist us, other scientists in charge and other senior scientists, have all been through many eruptions on the mainland, but also around the planet. We all sort of pick up uh, that, that sense of what needs to be done, staying calm and focused on the mission, staying in your lane as best we can, and uh, also relying really heavily on the critical emergency partners. That's Christina Neal, head of the Hawaiian Volcano Observatory at the U.S. Geological Survey and a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program, speaking with Federal News Network's Eric White. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus, and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.